Hi, Julie. Hi, Christine. How are you? I am good. I am doing good today. How are you today? Girl, I just changed the sheets on a bed that's against a wall. Oh. <laughs> mm -mm. No, no. You Okay. Do you need a nap? Do you need a break? I mean, yes. Why do I do this? This is tiresome to act. It is no joke. I mean, I am spread horizontally across the bed to get the far <laughs> corner on whilst keeping the other corner on. I feel like I almost had a heart attack. If the room had six inches of space in which to move things around, I would have moved that bed away from the wall. But no shade, Dana. There's no fucking room in there to do anything with that bed. So yeah, and I was, that bed is really high. Uh, I, I know everybody says it. Do you want to say something about my driveway too? No, I love it. You're, no, 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 no. I have no problem against. I no, you no shade. People want to talk shit on my driveway. Yes, that bed is high. That bed came. Uh, I got that bed in the marriage. I don't know where Dana got that bed. That's so high. But yes, that's the one. And I feel like isn't there a story that mom and dad stayed there with you one one weekend and mom had to get like a use a step stool to get up in the bed i believe that's true i think dad joked that she had to take a running jump which i think is such a funny visual a running <laughs> jump also yes. they stayed here one night and there was a cat under the bed and dad totally serious was like we're gonna have to leave we're gonna have to go get a hotel room Anyway, they're probably never yep. going to stay here again. My plan worked. They will never stay here again. <laughs> Thank you, my kitty cats. Um, I have <laughs> not. Um, I have not fallen upon anything that I didn't already know. I've known all the things lately. So, do you have a today years old? You've known all the things. Oh, mm -hmm. my little kitty cat. I have a today years old. You're making a face <laughs> okay. and doing your hands like the wicked witch and i feel like you wanted to say oh my pretty but you said oh my kitty which was funny to me yeah because we were talking about kitty cats before I know, I and it. i wanted yeah. to be funny and ironic no it was at work did you learn something new i learned that when okay this little piggy went to the market this little piggy went home this little piggy did this and this little piggy went wee wee wee, wee all the way home right yeah this little piggy He's going to the store, right? He's going to the he's going to the market. Correct. No, no. Piggy's not going to the market. Piggy's going to get slaughtered. This little piggy went to the market. This little kitty stayed home. <gasps> the first one went to the market for slaughtering. Isn't the third one this little piggy had roast beef? Yeah. Well, or I'm, like, yeah. This little, and this little piggy had none. And this little piggy went, I know there's five, right. but you go down your little toes. This little piggy went to the market. This little piggy stayed home. This little piggy had roast beef. This little piggy had none. This little piggy went wee, wee, wee all the way home. The piggy that went to the market went to get slaughtered. But the piggy that went home, where was he to begin with? Was he at the market and then he went wee 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 home all the way to like home being like heaven? Like the, he went to the gates of heaven because he was just slaughtered. And the one that had roast beef, is that like a metaphor for the food you eat right before you get slaughtered? Farmers, let us know. 
Wow. I, I've never thought about this. I am obsessing about it in this moment. I believe there's five pigs. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's five. One went okay, to market. One stayed home. One had, ro- why the hell is it roast beef? Like that's weird. I mean, I do know that pigs will eat anything, but anyway, one had roast beef, one got none and one cried. We, I see why the one that's crying, we, we, we all the way home you think might be the one that went to market. You're like, where is he coming from? Right. Why did we ever play this game with children? I don't know. I know it was just because we wanted to tickle them. Just because we wanted to go wee 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 all the way to their armpits and make them laugh. Ugh, just do it without all that. Like, do you need an yeah, excuse tickle to tickle the baby. a child? Right. <laughs> you don't need a just story. Tickle line. the damn baby's thighs. Yeah. <laughs> what may, just what tickle may the you, damn baby? Right. Just do it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we need consent. I don't know. Oh, uh, maybe that's like our weird back end way of getting consent. No, this nobody... little piggy's gonna ask. This little piggy's gonna ask again. This little piggy's gonna gonna be insistent. Yeah, maybe it is consent. What made you think of it? Well, I don't remember. I was like scrolling through TikTok, and this video. There was a video of this mom and this son, and she's like picking out little like notes out like things out of a a cup, and it's like you know prompts for questions to get to know each other and it's like name something that you recently learned that you didn't now know before obviously give me a t- today years old and the the kid said something i can't remember what it was and then the mom's like i you know learned that the piggy wasn't going to the market and so this little piggy went to the market and then the and he didn't go to the market he went to get slaughtered and the kid was like it was like a teenage son or whatever he was like <gasps> and the mom's like oh my god did i just did i just break your heart and then i thought wait a minute wait a minute wait a wait a minute and then i put some thought into it. So that's wow. how I came up with it. it was the same time this poor kid learned about it. That's upsetting. So it's very I upsetting. I want to um, take a second and remind people of something. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. I don't know if I, am I on Twitter? Did I make a Twitter account? I don't know. Um, I think you made a Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I might start using it. And might. it'd be really great if y'all gave us five stars and wrote a review. I don't think we have made an unapologetic plea for that lately so i'm making it yeah you're right we need to we need to do a major plea don't make us get down on our hands and knees and beg that's we don't want to we don't want to look like a disgrace no. this is a podcast where we're talking about songs. we don't want to look like a kanye about the lyrics of those songs we're about what those songs mean what they might mean to us what they mean to other people what they really mean and i had a song last week and i'm continuing to talk about that song because it's the longest song in history that to reach number one until Taylor Swift came along. And that song is American Pie by Don McLean. Where we left you last week, listeners, was a deep dive into Buddy Holly and the plane crash and a little bit about Don McLean's background. Remember that, Julie? I remember that. Mm-hmm. Is it pretty fresh in your head still? It's barely fresh. It was like a week ago, but I, I feel like I, I still, I still got it implanted. I think I'm fired up and ready. Did you not go listen to the song and dance around the kitchen to it? Like I did. Oh no, I totally did. We okay. had like a full on dance party. I even, okay. start, I even went on and list, did some buddy Holly listening. Oh, good for and you. Watching. He was good cute. Yeah, he was cute. Yeah. I forgot how cute he was. Why haven't they done a biopic or like a story or a documentary or a movie about him? Cause he was a cutie. 
I'm sure they have. I bet there is one. In fact, there is I, one about um, La Bamba guy, Richie yeah, Valens, just, right? Yeah. Well, there was a movie movie made with that one guy. Yeah. Could, yeah. You know, that guy. They made that movie. Yeah. That guy. La Bamba. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I have the day off. So I may, when I'm done with this, actually, I'll spend six hours editing it um, because I say, um, and you sniff. And sometimes I say so too many times. Sometimes I stutter. After I spend five hours editing, I might be able to spend a half an hour looking for a uh, Buddy Holly documentary. Anyway, okay, not complaining. That's just, I, I love it. I actually love it. I honestly do love it. Editing is fun. And I've learned a lot about idiosyncrasies. Here we go. Whoa. Something happened in 1972 that is very okay. helpful to us today in 2022 when we are doing a podcast about lyrics. And that thing that happened is that there is a Chicago DJ by the name of Bob. Dearborn, D-E-A-R-B-O-R-N. And in January 1972, so only a year after the song came out, he did a deep, deep, deep dive into American Pie. Like, really? Not line by line, or we would be here till Easter. When is Easter? Like, I know when Easter is. I don't do Easter. I boycott Easter like I do Ani DeFranco. Anyway, he analyzed so much of it, and we're going to go through it. But, but first, Julia. I don't know yes. if you have in front of you the lyrics of American Pie. I have them in front of me. I'm putting you on the spot. Night, right oh. next to your face. Okay, nice. I, I'm putting you on the spot. But as you just browse through these, before we take this deep dive that Bob Dearborn did, is there anything else about the lyrics since we talked last, because you've had a week to ruminate on it? Mm-hmm that is jumping out at you that you're confused about anything you want to just throw out there on the spot. Yes. Yes. On the spot without a doubt. And while Lennon read a book on Marx in the Google search of the lyrics, but it says Lennon and it spells it L E N I N on a read a book on Marx, M A R X John Lennon and Richard Marx question mark. No. Why do they spell it Lennon, L-E-N-I-N? Is Google, did they forget to do a spell check on themselves? That's what I noticed when we were reading. That's the first thing that I that popped out to me. I was like, wait, Lennon? Why'd they spell it like that? Do you got anything? I am going to be able to answer that question. I want to point out that in my looking at the lyrics, it's L-E-N-N-I-N. And I don't know if that's accurate. I believe it's L-E-N-I-N. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, one N. Mm-hmm. Okay, we are going to cover that. I'm going to put, so that okay. question will be answered. Do you have anything else okay. that you want to make sure we cover? I would like to know the parts where he's talking about heaven and hell big time. And I really want to know is who's Miss American Pie? Does Helter Skelter elicit yes. anything in you? Okay. What yes, that? but it was, well, Helter Skelter definitely does in many ways, but this song was written before what one of the references to Helter Skelter that I have, which is the Mar- which is the Marilyn Manson, not Marilyn Manson, Jesus Christ, the Charles Manson, the OG, the OG Manson, the OG Manson. So yes, Helter Skelter. I do have some questions as far as what he's referring to it, but I I have a little bit of context, but I don't know what Don McLean meant. Okay, we're going to cover that too. All right, let's do it. Here we go. 
a deep dive into American Pie by DJ Bob Dearborn from January 1972. Side note. Yes, ma'am. Was the street Dearborn in Chicago named after him? Do you really think I know that? Do you really think I know that girl? Do you think I went there? <laughs> no, but I really wanted to do it. <laughs> you dirty rat. I know you lived there. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. Uh, you know, in Maybe. my spare time after I spend six hours editing this, I'll Google it. Okay. JK. All right, ready? Here we go. He says, oh. this entire song is a tribute to Buddy Holly and a commentary on how rock and roll changed in the years since his death. McLean seems to be lamenting the lack of danceable music in rock and roll, attributing that to the lack of Buddy Holly. That's his premise. We're going to start out with the first lyric, a long, long time ago. People are a little confused about the timing. We touched on this. American Pie reached number one in 1972, but it was released in 1971, and Buddy Holly died in 1959. So he's writing this about 11 years later. So a long, long time ago, that's the years. I can still remember how that music made me smile. If I had a chance, I could make those people dance and maybe they'd be happy. Dearborn says, one of rock and roll's functions was to provide dance music for various social events. McLean recalls his desire to become a musician playing that sort of music. McLean is lamenting about, again, Buddy Holly died in 59. So back then, McLean's teenage years or early 20s, that, that was what he was listening to. And that's what he wanted to do, to play danceable music. There's a line, February made me shiver. Buddy Holly died on February 3rd, 1959. So that makes sense. February and it's cold mm -hmm. with every paper I'd deliver. So the only jobs that Don McLean has ever had, the only other job Don McLean ever had was he was a newspaper boy. So February made me shiver with every paper I delivered. So he delivered newspapers as a kid. All right. Right. Bad news on the doorstep. I couldn't take one more step. So the doorstep is where the newspaper lands. I can't remember if I yep. cried when I read about his widowed bride. Okay. So Holly's wife was pregnant when the plane crash took place. She had a miscarriage right after. Something touched mm -hmm. me deep inside the day the music died. And we know that the plane crash killed Buddy Holly, Big Bopper, and Richie Valens. So bye-bye, Miss American Pie. Don McLean dated... A Miss America candidate during the pageant. So I do not have the name of this pageant queen. Really? But Mr. Dearborn okay. says that Miss American Pie is referring to a woman that he dated that was in the pageant. And I think if we think about, you know, we know that America is baseball and apple pie. Apple pie is a very American staple, right? So right. Miss American Pie is is synonymous with Miss America. Clever, huh? Clever. Did he, so American Pie, that phrase was, it's was coined by him. He created Correct. it. Correct. Okay. Now I am afraid to tell you this, but this evaluation of the song does not explain the dry levy. I, I, I don't know why, but the song, this will be the day that I die is, a song by Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly wrote a song right. called That'll Be the Day That I Die. So um, Don McLean is now referencing an actual song 
by Buddy Holly. I'm apologizing again. I do not have a dry levy explanation. Okay. I mean, I, I like think it's fun. kind of a, hey, I drove my, my, it's a, it's a catchy, you know, rhyme. I drove my Chevy to the levee yeah. expecting to see water. Maybe it was going to be scenic and the damn levee's dry. Like we've lost something, things that we are expecting are not there. I don't know. I'm making my mm -hmm. own. Yeah. That makes sense. I get it. Yeah. No, I see it. He then says, did you write the book of love? Well, there was a song called The Book of Love by the Monotones, which was very famous in 1958. So Mr. Dearborn thinks he's referring to that song. Do you right. have faith in God above if the Bible tells you so? Well, in 1955, there was a song called The Bible Tells Me So by a guy named Don Cornell. I know that song. This side, does the Jesus love me so, or no? Yeah, for the Bible tells me so. Okay, that sounds like, <laughs> wow, I, you could be right. I'm thinking that's the one you sing in church or in Sunday school, and I think that's probably different from this, but I don't know. I did not Google the Bible tells me so. That reminds me of this little light of mine. I'm going to let it. Yeah, I don't think it's that same genre. <laughs> but Mr. Dearborn quotes it. He says, right on track with you, Julia. There is also an old Sunday school song that goes, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Remember in early episodes, I talked about the ghost that I think lives in the basement, which is where I am. I'm hearing like, oh, yeah, the poop. Well, it was a poop ghost. That hasn't happened now. There's just sounds. That's great. All right. <gasps> now, do you believe okay. in rock and roll? Dearborn says there was a song in 1965 called Do You Believe in Magic? And there is a line in that song that says, Do you believe in magic? It's like trying to tell a stranger about rock and roll. Do you see where I'm going? Mr. Dearborn seems to think that every line is referencing music. Do you see where I'm going? I see where you're going. And he's trying to prove a point that music can really inspire and look at what it's inspiring good good call good 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 insight there um i like it <laughs> okay can music save your mortal soul and can you teach me how to dance real slow slow dance was an important part of early rock and roll events but declined through the 60s as things like psychedelic music and the 10 minute guitar solo gained prominence hmm. dancing slow is less of a thing in the 1960s and 70s like after the quote music died well i know that you're in love with him because i saw you dancing in the gym dancing used to be an expression of love and carried a connotation of commitment dance partners were not so readily exchanged as they would be later so in the time of buddy holly like in the time of our parents like going to a dance you only dance with your bow and that really meant something mm. mm-hmm <sighs> We both kicked off our shoes. This is a reverence, a reference to the beloved sock hop. We've heard of that. Mm -hmm. So that's what that's about, according to Mr. Dearborn. Man, I dig those rhythm and blues. Okay. Before the popularity of rock and roll, music, like everything else in the U.S., was highly segregated. The popular music of Black performers for largely Black audiences was first called, quote, race music, which is horrible and later changed oh to God. rhythm and blues. 
In the early 50s, as they were exposed to it through radio personalities, white teenagers began listening to. Beginning in 1954, a number of songs from rhythm and blues charts began appearing on the overall popular charts, such as Shake, Rattle and Roll, Shaboom, Sincerely. These are songs by Joe Turner, The Moon Glows, The McGuire Sisters. By 1955, some of the rhythm and blues artists like Fats Domino and Little Richard were able to get records on the overall pop charts. In 1956, Sun Records added elements of country and Western to produce the kind of rock and roll tradition that produced Buddy Holly. That is one long ass paragraph to define rhythm and blues. But interesting nonetheless. Yeah. Are we bored? Everybody, <laughs> for those people in the back, are you still paying attention? Checking in on y'all. You're still here. You're still awake. A lonely teenage Bronk and Buck with the pink carnation and a pickup truck. Well, there was a song by Marty Robbins in 1957 called A White Sport Coat and a Pink Carnation. Tom McLean's just talking about all kinds of songs, according to Mr. Dearborn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For 10 years, we've been on our own. So this was written about, it was released 11 years after the plane crash, but he probably was writing it like, so 10 years, we've been on our own without these musicians. As moss mm-hmm. grows fat on a rolling stone. This could be a reference to Bob Dylan, who wrote a song in 1965 called Like a Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. And it was quite a change from earlier music that Dylan did. That song was a big change in what he was doing before that. The Rolling Stone could also be Elvis. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this guy thinks that. Was Elvis ever considered a Rolling Stone? Okay. It could refer to rock and rollers in general and the changes taking place in the business in the 60s. Wait, do I have it today years old? What is, what did you mean by could Elvis be a Rolling Stone? No, I mean, did anybody ever refer? I don't mean a part of the Rolling Stones band. No, no, I know. (laughs) Is Rolling Stone a term for like somebody that's doing really, like, is it a term? I, I don't know exactly where the term Rolling Stone came from. That's interesting. Bob Dylan does a song called Like a Rolling Stone in 65. Bob Dearborn says maybe the Rolling Stone is Elvis. I have no idea. I've never heard of Elvis being referred to as a Rolling Stone. I don't know what the word Rolling Stone has to do with anything. And yeah, did the band, when they came up with the band name Rolling Stone, was it because it was like this term that people used to say, oh, they're such a Rolling Stone. Like they're such a amazing thing or you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Okay, keep going. I'm going to look it up. Now, this is very interesting. When the jester sang for the king and queen, Dearborn says that the jester is Bob Dylan. And some think that Elvis Presley is the king and the queen being Connie Francis. I don't know who that is exactly. But an alternate interpretation of this is that it's the Kennedys, the king and queen of Camelot. So, okay. In the coat he borrowed from James Dean. So in the movie Rebel Without a Cause, which I just watched not that long ago and I love it, James Dean has a red windbreaker that holds symbolic meaning throughout the film. Hmm. In one scene, James Dean lends his coat to a guy who is shot and killed. James Dean's father arrives on the scene, sees the coat and thinks it's Dean that's dead, but it's somebody else. So the coat he borrowed from James Dean, it's an infamous jacket in Rebel Without a Cause. Wow. Gosh. Okay. Okay. 
as the king was looking down, the jester stole his thorny crown. This could be a reference to Elvis's decline and Dylan's ascendance. Presley is looking down from a height as Dylan takes his place. I don't know. I mean, we're, he's going real deep here. He's going real yeah, deep. real deep, real, real deep. The courtroom was adjourned. No verdict was returned. He said this could be the trial of the Chicago Seven. I did not look up the Chicago Seven. Do you know what that is? I guess it's an infamous trial. Uh, now, Bob Dearden says that the real lyric about Lennon and the Book of Marks is John Lennon. It should be L-E-N-N-O-N. So yeah, it is John Lennon. Literally John Lennon reading about Karl Marx. Figuratively, the introduction of radical politics into the music of the Beatles. Side note, the trial of the Chicago Seven was some was about the trial of these these people that they were something to do with a protest. I think they were arrested for protesting in Chicago. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. But I thought it I guess it makes sense because this this song was written in the early 70s, and I think the trial took place around that time too. Anyway, that's I just there's a lot being thrown out at me and I'm neat. I'm still trying to catch up. Like this, oh, this is, is a lot. Maybe it's too much. Should we stop? Is it dumb? No, there's no, this is great. This okay, is okay. just like, this is amazing. I'm loving all this context. I feel like I'm in a history lesson. I might as well just like, you know, who needs to watch Forrest Gump when you just got to listen to American pie. Good point. Good point. Did you look up what Rolling Stone is? Yeah. They got their name from a muddy water song called Rolling Stone. That's about it. Nothing else. Okay. We'll dive deeper into that some other time. All right. Okay. There's a uh, the next line. The quartet practiced in the park. It is believed that this is about the Beatles playing in Shea Stadium. Okay. That's it. That's all I got to say there. We sang dirges in the dark. A dirge is a funeral or a mourning song. Mourning as in M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Or perhaps this is a reference to some of the new, quote, art rock groups, which played long pieces not meant for dancing. There is a cat in here. So all these times it. I've been stopping thinking there was a ghost. It's a cat. I just saw her. Mm, okay. Helter Skelter in a Summer Swelter. Well, Helter Skelter is a Beatles song which appeared on the White Album. Charles Manson, claiming to have been inspired by the song, led his followers to the murders. And the Summer Swelter is a reference to the Summer of Love. So there we have that. Okay. Birds flew off with a fallout shelter, eight miles high and falling fast. Well, there's a band called the birds and they did a song called eight miles high in 1966. Oh my God. I mean, Don McLean, you're giving us a musical history lesson. Yeah. This is amazing. It landed foul on the grass. This Mr. Dearborn thinks it's because one of the birds in that band was um, busted for possession of marijuana. I don't know if I get that. Hmm. All right. Now we get a football metaphor. The players tried for a forward pass while the jester on the sidelines in the cast. Now the halftime air has sweet perfume. Okay. It could be about the Rolling Stones. They were waiting for an opening, which really didn't happen until the Beatles broke up. So like a sports metaphor for the Rolling Stones trying to fit in at a certain point. I don't really like know the underdog that. trying like wins the championship. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. With the okay. jester on the sidelines in the cast on July 29th, 1966, Dylan crashed his triumph 55 motorcycle and spent nine months in seclusion. So Bob Dylan is maybe the jester on the sidelines in a cast mm-hmm. halftime. There was sweet perfume. That's about marijuana in the air. 
while sergeants played a marching tune. Any idea who the sergeants might be in this context? Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band? Ding, 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 ding. Mm. That's exactly right. We all got up to dance, but we never got the chance. There was a concert by the Beatles in 1966 at Candlestick Park that only lasted 35 minutes. People complained about that um, being too short. Maybe McLean saying there wasn't enough time to get up and dance during the Beatles show in 1966. I feel like he's reaching. Yeah. The players tried to take the field. The marching band refused to yield. So this could be a reference to the dominance of the Beatles and the rock and roll scene. For instance, the Beach Boys released Pet Sounds in 1966 which features some of the same sort of studio and electronic experimentation as Sgt. Pepper. But the Beatles was a flop because Sgt. Pepper was out. Like nobody could compete with Sgt. Pepper. Right. Some people think that the players tried to take the field, the marching band refused to yield, is a reference to the 1968 Democrat convention or Kent State. I don't know why you think that. Okay. That's weird. That's weird. That's very two very, very different things, Mr. Dearborn. That is very two different things. And then We Were All in One Place is a reference to Woodstock, a generation lost in space. Is this a reference to the U.S. space program, which it might be, but that seems a little too literal. Perhaps this is a reference to, quote, hippies who were sometimes known as the lost generation. So maybe that's Mm -hmm. what lost. Mm -hmm. No time left to start again. The lost generation spent too much time being stoned and wasted their lives, or perhaps their preference for psychedelics had pushed rock and roll so far from Holly's music that it couldn't be retrieved. That's interesting. I mean, Buddy Holly has like this very wholesome rock and roll guy. He's not pushing any serious like social boundaries. He's, you know, he's just this cute rock and roll guy. And then the 60s come because his plane crashes in 1959. Don't forget. So the 60s but Buddy Holly may have just completely flopped. You know, like the sixties were like, dude, we, we're not interested in you. You're, you know, you're too, you're too yep. vanilla for us. Or would he have adapted to the change? Maybe so. In the music. Yeah. So hmm. come on, Jack, be nimble. Jack, be quick is a reference to Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones. Why does he have to say of the Rolling Stones? Why can't he just, I mean, we all know Mick Jagger's in the Rolling Stones. I mean, right. is anyone ever going to go, I'm sorry, which Mick Jagger do you mean? And then the other person goes, Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones. And the other person goes, oh, okay, thank you for clarifying. Right. <laughs> it's not the Mick Jagger from the other one. It's the Mick Jagger from Rolling Stones. Yeah. I mean, okay. it's not John Smith. <laughs> why, why does it even say that? Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones. Anyway, that's, duh. okay. So there's a band called the Rolling Stones and there's a guy that sings Rolling Stones and his name is Mick Jagger. And he did a song called Jumpin' Jack Flash in 1968. So maybe Jack Be Nimble, Jack Be Quick is about Jumpin' Jack Flash by a guy named Mick Jagger who's in a band called the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones that has the singers Mick Jagger. Okay, got it. Okay, got it. It's tough. It's a tough I might need a refresher on that, but I think I got it. Okay. I'll remind you next time. Okay. Okay. Jack Flash said on a candlestick, is this about the Candlestick Park concert? Jack Be Nimble, Jack Be Quick, Jack said on the... Now, that doesn't have to do with anybody going to market and getting killed, does it? Oh, goodness. I don't think so. No, but that okay. is a nursery rhyme. Yeah. And things probably didn't end well for him, for Jack. Mm-mm, not well at all. I mean, you sit on a candlestick, your your butt's on fire. Yeah. Okay. Because fire is the devil's only friend. It's funny that you just said fire. Fire is the devil's only friend. Is this a reference to the Grateful Dead friend of the devil? Or another interpretation 
is that they may refer to Jack Kennedy and his quick decisions during the Cuban Missile Crisis. The candlesticks refer to ICBMs, missiles, and nuclear war. I mean, dude, do you really yeah. think Don McLean did all of this in one song? I'm partially going through this because I feel like it's a bit of reaching. Tiny bit, a little bit. But then it also is, I mean, there's no such thing as coincidence, right? Or is there? I mean, it's, it's ironic, very ironic that, I don't know. It is ironic that you can, yeah, yeah, that all of these things can be connected. I think some of them are reaches, but. Okay, yeah. As I watched him on the stage, my hands were clenched in fits of rage. No angel born in hell could break the Satan spell. Well, while playing at the Altamont Speedway in 1968, the Stones, oh, by that I mean the Rolling Stones. With the singer Mick Jagger? Good. Them, okay. Listened. Yes. Okay. They appointed members of the Hell's Angels to work security. There was a young man named Meredith Hunter. Interesting name for a man. Oh, yeah. He was beaten and stabbed to death by some of the Hell's Angels. <gasps> yes. Now, I didn't know that. There was public outcry after this show that the song Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones had somehow incited the violence. The Rolling Stones dropped that song from their shows for the next six years. Interesting. This incident is chronicled in the documentary film, Give Me Shelter. And as the flames climbed high into the night to light the sacrificial rite, this could be a reference to Jimi Hendrix burning his Mm. Stratocaster guitar at the Monterey Pop Festival. I mean, uh, I mean, Mr. Dearborn, where, where are you getting this? He's getting it from left field in Wrigley. I mean, this is a this is intense. Okay, so flames are because Jimi Hendrix burnt a guitar. Okay, fine. Or this might be in reference to the bear the burial of JFK. Why do you think this is? Why? A, I mean, I I don't know. What? I mean, a sacrificial rite. I think is maybe that's like a funeral thing. I don't know. You don't burn anything at a funeral. I don't know. I mean, John Dearborn, Bob Dearborn, what's your name? You are. Okay. Dearborn. I met a girl who sang the blues. That's about Janis Joplin. I asked her for some happy news, but she just smiled and turned away. Janis died of an accidental drug overdose on October 4th, 1970. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what that's about. I went down to the sacred store where I heard the music years before. This could be about Bill Graham's Fillmore East, one of the great rock and roll venues of all time. Have you heard of that? Is it in New York? Miss New York? What is it? Bill Graham's Fillmore East. I've heard of the Fillmore, but I don't know about the Fillmore East. Maybe it's the same thing. Or it could be a reference to just record stores. I went to the record store, also known as, he's calling it a sacred store. Oh, Okay where I heard the music years before. Yeah. And he said the music wouldn't play. Correct. Perhaps he means that nobody is interesting in hearing Buddy Holly's music anymore. So he goes to the sacred store mm-hmm. where, you know, he used to be able to play music at the, you could like practice playing, like listening to it. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, the music wouldn't play because nobody cares about Buddy Holly anymore. Mm-hmm. Or is it okay. about the discontinuation of in-store listening booths? I don't think that, I don't think so. No, they didn't discontinue that in 1969. No, I worked in record stores in the 90s and we had listening booths. Maybe they discontinued it and then they brought it back. But yeah, Bob Dearborn, we have listening booths all the way till like 
well, 10 years ago, maybe. Yeah, until we didn't need them. In the streets, the children screamed. Is this perhaps flower children being beaten by National Guard troops? The lovers cried and the poets dreamed. The trend towards psychedelic music in the 60s? But not a word was spoken. The church bells all were broken. It could be that the broken bells are the dead musicians. Neither can produce any more music. And the three men I admire most, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, McLean was a Catholic. Mm-hmm. Is he referring to Buddy Holly, the Big Bopper, and Ricky Valens? Is he mm. referring to Hank Williams, Elvis Presley, and Buddy Holly? Why do you think that? Bob Dearborn, yeah. where did Hank Williams come in? Right. What did, yeah. Lord. Or did he mean JFK, Martin Luther King, and Bobby Kennedy? No, he didn't mean that. No, he meant the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Exactly. Bob says, or does he really just mean the Catholic aspects of the deity? Okay, can we just, okay. If I read the lyrics, the three men I admire most, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they caught the last train for the coast. What I hear is, I lost my religion. I no longer believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. These three entities- they took a train left for the coast. I think it's really, I've always thought that was really a a humorous and sort of charming visual. Like I'm imagining like Jesus Mm -hmm. and God and this little ghost guy, the Holy ghost, like maybe he's like, looks like Casper and the three of them are like getting on a train and they're headed to the coast. Like we're out of here. Y'all aren't listening to us anyway. We're going on vacation, (laughs) right? Like we're going to Gulf Shores, Alabama guys. (laughs) We're peacing out. We're headed to the coast because y'all don't messed up. Yeah, y'all. Come on now. You don't. Come on, man. I mean, that's what I'm hiring. Let's just leave it at that. So (laughs) Bob Dearborn, though, says they caught the last train for the coast is a reference to wacky California religions. Okay. I mean, Bob Dearborn, I know that you're in Chicago and it's 1972. And maybe you Hmm. think that California is just like, this big place of debauchery and maybe it is but can we just i want to believe that it is just don mclean saying these three things i believed in i was raised catholic they're getting on a train and leaving and it's a really fantastic visual can we just do that yeah let's just leave it as it is call a spade a spade spade that's what it is leave it at that jeez so okay i'm going to stop there because what I, i this could become you know a little bit too much what i want to put out there is that there are certainly themes running through this of music dying or a homage to different music. This is a, it is more than just the plane crash. It is about the changes in music in this time and, and a homage to different music. I think I can go with that, but I, I think mm-hmm. there's a point of analytics. And I felt this way in college when you had to beat with a dead horse, exactly, you know, what Little Women was really about. Well, that was high school, (laughs) Little Women. You know, analyzing literature is not my favorite thing to do. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this is a type of evaluation that almost, not almost, I believe it does take the charm out of the song just a little bit. Mm -hmm. It kind of traces back to how Trent, what Trent Rimser says, like, I don't want to tell people what my songs are about because it'll change their viewpoint on the song. I want them to have their own viewpoint. So it's kind of like Dearborn kind of screwed it up for us. He tried to, he thought he was trying to make it easy and make it, you know, more, less complex, but really he just 
you kind of butchered it. Well, I hate to hear that because that means that I also butchered it. And I, oh, I failed to mention. No, 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 no. I failed to mention that this song has been requested by a dear friend of mine named Kurt Shives. Shout out, Kurt. Shout out to you. Shout out to you. You're the best. And he really is. He is one of my biggest fans. Um, He adores me and he's a great friend and I love him and I love his family. And he's got all these grandbabies now and they're super cute. And anyway, love it. He has asked me several times to do American pie. And I'm sure that he like 99% of the world did not have any idea that I would go this far, that we would go to this level of analysis. And I want to apologize, Kurt, if I have taken the romance out of this song for you. (laughs) You didn't butcher it. I think, no, you didn't butcher it. I just think it's very interesting that this song was so prolific. There are websites entirely devoted to analyzing lyrics of this song. You could take an entire class in college about American Pie. Literally? I don't know. Probably. I'm just just saying that, but it wouldn't surprise me. (laughs) Like, sign me up. And here I am thinking, I'm like, gosh, I could, I, I like, this is like a history class. And I'm like, going like, I have like, my eyes are bumping out of my head. Yeah. I think what we need to keep, first of all, this song is so fun. Mm-hmm. I love the different changes in melody. Why did my voice do that? I like the different changes in melody. I like the, the slowness and then the fastness. I like the, I love the song. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. some parts in here that, that are really, really just so beautifully poetic. Mm-hmm. Totally. Did you write the book of love? Do you have faith in God above? If the Bible tells you so, do you believe in rock and roll? Can music save your mortal soul? Can you teach me how to dance real slow? It's like that paragraph is about love, religion, mm-hmm. music. Right. And for some people, those are the like the best top three things in life, love, religion, and music in that one little paragraph. It's just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. That sums it up right there. I don't want to be a person that analyzes songs to the point where they're not fun because sometimes the beauty of a piece of art is not knowing what the fuck it means, my friend. Bob Dearborn, you also are a gentleman and a scholar, Mm -hmm. but I just want to kick off my shoes at the sock hop when I hear this song, okay? I'm kicking off my shoes. I'm dancing in my socks in the kitchen while I'm baking a pie. 